right, guys. Awesome. My name is Jacob, one of the pastors here. We're going to jump right in. Uh, we have, for the last couple of weeks, been talking about a spacious place. What would it look like in our lives to just find some breathing room, some time to stop? And some of you uh, will remember last week, me talk, or a couple of weeks ago, talking about this garden that God created in the very beginning. If you weren't here, it's okay. And if you never even heard this story, uh, that's awesome. And I'd love to tell you a little bit more about it. But in the Bible, in the first chapter of the Bible, of Genesis chapter 1, there's a story of creation, like the creation of everything. And there's this rhythm that God gets into of creating really cool new stuff and looking at it and saying it's good. It's like the first day, he says, light, it's good. The sky, it's good plants, it's good. Animals, it's good. And then on the sixth day, God creates man, uh, man and woman, and God looks at us. Some of y'all remember what God said? Very good. Right? On the seventh day, God stops and rests. The word stop in the Hebrew is a word that turns into something people talk about in the church, Sabbath. You may have heard that word Sabbath, but the word Sabbath just really means to stop or to cease or to end. So it's uh, uh, God on the seventh day stopped and rested. That's pretty much all of Genesis chapter 1. And what I want to talk to you about today is Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3. There's this kind of complementary creation story that comes in Genesis chapter 2. It's a bit different, but it doesn't contradict. You go back and read it and see how Genesis 1 goes into 2 and 3, and it's all about this garden. Isn't that interesting that God, the first thing God creates and the place that he puts us is a garden? So we begin to learn about this garden in Genesis chapter 2. There's a river that runs through the garden. The river turns into four rivers that uh, have names that are still the names of rivers over uh, in, in the Middle East, and what was called Mesopotamia. But really what's de- described in Genesis chapter 2 are trees. We're told that in the garden there were all these trees, trees that were pleasing uh, to look at and good for food. And so God begins to tell us about all these trees. Yeah, it's Mother's Day. I'm just talking about trees. You're, you're, you're tracking, right? Uh, trees everywhere. But God tells us the name of two trees. In the middle of the garden, there are two trees, and God says this first tree is the tree of life. So imagine God saying, here's the tree of life. I don't know what God's voice sounded like. It probably didn't sound like my nasally southern accent voice, but, you know, your God voice, imagine it. God says, here's the tree of life. And then there's another tree, and God says, this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Much more description, a little mysterious. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then God says this, you can eat from any tree in the garden. You can eat from any tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, if you eat from that tree, you will certainly die. And so people sometimes look at that and say, what was God's problem? You know, why was God keeping the best back for, for God's self? That's not really what was happening at all. God's saying, you can have all this. It's all good. You can have it. But I'm telling you, this one thing will harm you, and so I'm restricting you from it. Does that make sense? God's saying, this thing's not good. If you do that, bad stuff will happen. So uh, do that. So God's saying, it's all set up. It's all yours. Just don't do that one thing. It's all yours. It's all good. Just don't do that one thing. And they did it. Right? Know the story? And they did it. And so for this story to mean anything to your life, I don't mean just the creation story, like the whole God story, for the, for the story to, to mean something to you, for you really to kind of get into it, we have to move from saying they did it to we did it, to I did it, even to I do it. Like for this story, guys, for this story to just move out of the children's Bible pages, right, with the almost naked Adam and Eve covered in fig leaves and the slithery snake on the ground, for it not just to be something we close the book and we're done with, we have to move from they did it to actually we did it to I do it all the time, right? 
So uh, there's a lot to this. You're like, are you really talking about sin and bad stuff on Mother's Day? I am, so just hang with me. I think it's important. We come back to this story all the time, but for today in the Spacious Place series, what I, what I want us to think about are the lies that the slithery snake said and still says today. I think that there's, something that, there's some, some lies that we might be living into without even knowing it. The first one is this. You may not have ever thought about this at all, but I think we live into it. The first one is this. We have to work because we sinned, all right? Uh, you may not have ever thought that explicitly, but we kind of sometimes get into like, the reason I have to work is this punishment. <laughs> I'm being punished. I got to work. I got to work today. So uh, here's the rest of the story. The snake slithers up to Eve and begins to talk to her. And the snake says uh, to Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So it's messed up from the beginning. That's what the snake says. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And Eve says what? No. God said I could eat from any tree in the garden except this one. The snake is a total punk in this story. He's trying to mess with her. He's trying to mess things up. Did God really say you can't from eat, eat from any tree? No, 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 no. God said I could eat from any tree except the one. And then the snake says, if you eat from that tree, you certainly will not die. And Eve's thinking, well, that's the exact opposite of what God said. God said, if you eat from the tree, you'll certainly die. And so there's sort of this enticement there, this intrigue. And Eve takes the fruit. She eats it. And then she hands it to Adam, who was right next to her. All the time we want to pile on Eve, right? Adam was right next to her. He just wasn't saying anything. <laughs> just like you dudes, right? <laughs> just like you dudes out there. You're right in there. You're just not saying anything. You know? What's your problem? We need you to just say something sometime, okay? Don't you have anything to say after you've been at work all day? Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so they both eat. They both messed up. They both hide, but you can't hide from God, especially in the garden. And so there's this crazy verse, Genesis 3, 17, and uh, God says to Adam, he says, because you listened to your wife, that was your first problem. I'm just kidding. Just seeing if y'all are paying attention, okay? You got to read the whole sentence. Don't take it out of context. Because <laughs> you listened. Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree, which I commanded you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all of your lives. Painful toil, I recognize that. That's work. And people will say, this is where work started. Eve messed up, and, and then we had to work. If we'd never messed up, we wouldn't have to work. It sounds like sometimes we think that we're describing the garden before sin like a, a Punta Cana resort, right? You know, in the Dominican Republic, it's like an all-inclusive resort. I went to one a couple of years ago. Uh, I'd never been to an all-inclusive resort. It is awesome, and my father-in-law paid for all of it. So it's like the double whammy. So you guys go to all-inclusive resort, and you're like, this is amazing. But in the back of your head, you're like, but I did pay for all this. That was not my experience at all. It was great. Like, you don't have to make your bed. You want a drink, just lift your finger. You want an omelet, they'll make you an omelet the way you like it. If you don't like the omelet, say, I don't like the omelet, and they'll bring you a pancake. And it's like, I wanted to go... I wanted to go parasailing. They said, what time shall we pick you up, Mr. Armstrong? Which is amazing. I find out that parasailing is actually an extra charge to my father-in-law. You know, so it's perfect. And people have pictured the garden like this all-inclusive resort, right? That your father-in-law pays for everything. And mother-in-law. Happy Mother's Day, uh, Rhonda. Everything, uh, everything when you want it. Everything the way you want it and no charge. And then they did it, didn't they? Then they did it and we lost it and then we had to work. That's when we got work. No, 
Sin happened in the garden in Genesis 3, 6. Work happened in the garden in Genesis 2, 15. Work came first before that. Listen to this. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Work started in Genesis chapter 2. Sin happened in Genesis chapter three. What's that mean? It's a lie that we have to work because we sin. The truth is work is a gift God's given us in the garden. That's why some of you are like, hey, I actually like a work. I like my, yeah, that's, that's right. Not everything is painful toil. Painful toil started after we messed up, after we tried to take the thing that wasn't ours. We know what that is. You know what painful toil is, don't you? That's the grind. That's the case of the Mondays. That's I don't wanna get up and go to this job. That's the crummy boss. That's that task you did on Friday that sapped the living strength out of your soul, right? You ever talk to someone who has a job they don't like? It's bad. And I've thought my whole life, I have to work because of Adam and Eve, and that's not true. God put Adam in the garden to work it before sin ever happened, mind blown. So why is that important? Well, if there's this lie, we have to work because we've sinned and work's really a gift from God in the garden, that's the truth. That means if we find our meaning in God, we can find meaning in our work. And here's the crazy part, any work. We're always thinking about getting the next job or the, the best job. The thing we get messed up is where we're seeking our meaning. Meaning isn't found in your work, it's found in God. But if you find your meaning in God, you can find your meaning in your work, any work. Uh, last summer, on the first hot day, our air conditioner went out at our house. And so uh, I got on the phone. It's like 9 p.m. We came home. Our house is totally, it's roasting. And so I'm calling these air conditioning companies, the one I've called before. But nobody can get us in because our air conditioning go out that day. It's just the first day we realized it wasn't out. It was hot. And that happened to everybody else whose air conditioner wasn't working. And so there's this long list. And they're going to come tomorrow. And I'm American and I can't live without air conditioning. And so I'm trying to find somebody that will help me. And so I called in a favor. I called this guy who goes to our church. His name's David. He usually sits on the second row in the 915 service. And I knew that he owned an air conditioning company. And so I was like, hey, Dave, it's Pastor Jake. <laughs> Nine o'clock, uh, what are you doing? He's like, I'm fixing air conditioners. I was like, well, that's interesting. That's what I need. And so he was so gracious, but he's like, man, I got a long list of this stuff, you know? And he told me he would come that night. He said he wouldn't stop work before he came. And he showed up at our house about 10 o'clock. Uh, and I found out that David doesn't just own an air conditioning company. He, 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 he and one other guy named Willie go around and fixing air conditioners. That's their company, right? And I have a picture of them. They showed up at my house. This isn't my house, but it's just a picture of them. That's David and Willie. That's Willie Bryson. He's actually one of the pastors over at Corona Baptist, this amazing guy. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And they pull up, and they, it's like they're having the time of their life, right, Rach? They're like, hey, what's up, guys? This is all, you know, they're high-fiving. What's up, Pastor Jacob? And what's going on? And, and they're like in hour 14, 15 of their day. They come in, David goes over my attic. It's gotta be 110 degrees up there. And he and Willie are hollering down. They're just like having a big old time. They find out what's wrong, <laughs> wrong with it. It takes them about an hour to fix. They're loading up and they're still like, just like that. That's what they look like. And I wouldn't have said anything except I heard David say this. They were putting stuff in the back of the truck. I heard him say, man, I love my job. And so I went back there and I said, what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> really, what's going on? And... Uh, they looked at me like I should have known. You see, David and Willie find their meaning in God. And so their job is fixing air conditioners. And so because they find their meaning in God, they find their meaning in their work. Everybody's always looking for the perfect job. You know what you should be looking for? God. 
which leads to this lie that I've lived in for a long time. Uh, that I, It's important to me to share it with you that I think it starts in the garden and the lie is that you're gonna live a balanced life. And that should be your goal, that you should try to find a balanced life. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like I'm gonna balance everything out. I got work, I've got parents, I've got hobbies, I've got a church that wants me to serve. I really like traveling, so we try to balance it all. And the balanced life lie for me is what I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to make sure everybody else feels good, you know? which means I gotta get to work, work exactly at the right time because I got all this other stuff I've committed myself to and I'm trying to balance it out so I can make this, all these different people happy. If I could balance it, maybe everybody could happy. It's not really about me or my happiness or being a, a whole human. It's really just about pushing everything out. But if the goal is a balanced life, I have some truth that I need to tell you and it's this, life ain't balanced. So my job is I talk to people all the time and what I can tell you is that lots of crazy things happen. Like people die and kids get sick and business deals go south and relationships get broken and parents get dementia and you didn't save enough for retirement. All these things, all those things that I just said, that's actually life. And so life's not balanced. If you have any of those things happen, you're not gonna be able to balance all this stuff out, right? If you've lost a loved one or if you've lost your job or if you're, you don't know how to deal with your kid, all those kind of things throw everything out of balance. And so suddenly you're a failure as a person, as a Christian, because you can't hold it together. But really life isn't balanced. It's not all bad stuff either. You know, sometimes it's good stuff. You're going for the degree or you've got this dream on your heart or your kid made the team or you got that job that you really wanted, right? Starting this church was my dream. Uh, I'm so glad we went after it. But I have not lived a balanced life in the midst of going passionately after something I feel like God called me to do. I don't think that's my sin. The sin that I've had over the last decade is that I haven't stopped enough. So I don't think we're actually supposed to seek balance. We're supposed to seek Sabbath. And Sabbath means stopping. Like it was instituted in the very creation story that we were made to stop in the midst of this. So you might not be able to balance your life if that's your goal. I don't know, how, you can, how can you balance your life if you have a child with special needs or if you're depressed right now? Like, how are you gonna do that if you're, if you're lifelong goal and you're going after? You can't be balanced, but you can stop. Jesus showed us that way. Pastor Mark shared last week that Jesus, even in the midst of a passionately focused life, going after something, working some long hours some days, Jesus still stopped. But the worst lie that I've experienced in the midst of this is thinking, okay, I know I'm supposed to stop. I will stop. I will stop when I get it all done. So there's this lie that starts in the garden that you can rest when your work is done. We should cry when we hear that. You can rest. I'll tell you when you can rest, when you get everything done. No, that's a lie from the belly of the slithering snake who said, go eat that tree where you get the knowledge to be like God. Because God's the one in the creation story who could stop because he was finished. That's what Mark shared with us last week at the end of Genesis chapter one into two. God says he finished his work, so he stopped. But we are not God. And so we try to eat from the tree where we'll get the knowledge of good and evil to be like God. That messes everything up. No, no, no. the, The truth is your work won't ever be done. Ask a retired person, like ask the retired guy, hey, so what's it like sitting around on your couch all day? They will punch you. <laughs> they will punch you. Because your work's never done. It's not, that's not what it's about. Ending the job is not getting the work done. Oh, people of God, hear it. Your work is not done. What God is saying we can do, this is amazing. God is saying that we can rest as if our work is done. God's giving us a gift in the midst of this. You can actually have the full rest, full stop. 
You can do it as if your work is done. I told you God gave Rachel and I this phrase in our break last uh, summer. You know, uh, it was uh, a spacious place. I told you that I scheduled my break when I knew I could take a month off. I scheduled it for two years later. Right? That's how messed up it was in my mind. Because I'll take a month off, yeah, but I got to get a bunch of stuff done first. So by the time I got to my break, I was fizzling or sizzling or something. I was toast. And God showed me this little phrase, spacious place. David says, God brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me. I was like, ooh, I need that rescue. And, and so uh, what Rachel and I decided to do is we decided that we would change our day off. We've been taking, my wife works full-time too, and for a long time we've taken Friday as our day off. And do you know what we do on our day off? We try to get everything done. Amen, right? What do you do on your day off? I'm gonna get everything done because I gotta work because of Adam and Eve. <laughs> and so we tried, decided to try something different. We have failed more than we've succeeded, but it's been a change in our heart and an effort and that is on our day off, we've decided to try to stop. And so for a long time, I've taken my trash to the dump on Fridays, and we leave the trash in the garage uh, one more day. And we find ourselves eating together, talking together, and going for walks together because God gave us permission to do it. There's this beautiful little book called Sabbath by a rabbi named Abraham Heschel, and he says this, in the tempestuous ocean of time and toil, that's your life that's not balanced, okay? In the tempestuous ocean of time and toil, there are islands of stillness where one may enter a harbor and reclaim his or her dignity. You can realize you're human again if you, if you allow yourself to stop. I got one more thing for you. If we were good at this, I wouldn't have to do this last point, but we're not good at it, so one more. And that is if you don't stop, you'll be made to stop but it's a really good thing. I don't mean it like God's gonna punish you and make you stop. No, 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 totally different than that. Even if you're like, even if you can't figure this out, you're gonna be made to stop and God will find you like we've been singing about. God will run after you in the midst of that. The best way I know how to describe this is years ago, uh, Rachel and I had one daughter at the time. Her name is Mary. She was 15 months old and we had taken her to Chattanooga for the day. Our sister-in-law was graduating from college, uh, but we had to go down and back in the same day. So we have this 15-month-old uh, baby, and she's everything to us, but it also it kind of has to go right for everything to go right, you know? And so that day, she didn't have either one of her naps, and she ate a bunch of stuff she didn't normally eat. She was off of her routine. Nothing was normal, right? So when we got back into the car, heading uh, back to Murfreesboro on I-24 out of Chattanooga, we began to pray in the name of Jesus, as faithful followers of God who'd given our lives to him, that that baby would go to sleep. <laughs> like, you owe us, God. <laughs> and I don't know if you've done this. Uh, you've done this. You're just waiting. Everything rests upon that little one in the back seat going to sleep, right? And so you, draw, you don't move. You don't speak. One person looks in the rearview mirror at the baby. And you're just waiting for the eyes to close. You don't talk about it. You, if you need a hand signal, this is a hand signal. This is the eye. So, you, you know, you're driving, you're just like, this is the eye. <laughs> right? She's asleep, okay? And no sooner had she fallen asleep that I slammed my brakes on the interstate. There was a wreck up in front of us, and we just did a screeching halt. We sat there, and we sat there, and then we sat there so long, you know, I needed to turn the car off. And so I rolled the windows down, I turned the car off, and as soon as I turned the car off, um, Mary woke up. 
and it was a full-on meltdown. That was me. And, and Mary's crying too. We're just crying and crying and crying. And Rachel's trying to calm her down from the front seat, you know, but, but you can't get to her. She's backwards. I didn't even tell you it's two mirrors. There's a mirror here. There's a mirror in the back. It's very complicated. Things are backwards. And, and she won't calm down. She was just done. She was uncomfortable. She was out of her element. She was strapped in. She's overtired. She didn't know how to calm down. And Rachel finally reaches back, unbuckles her child, and pulls her into her lap. And she does then what only a mom can do. I don't know where they learn it, but this was the first time I'd seen it that up close and personal to see a master at work. And the baby gets in her lap, and she's having a meltdown. And Rachel says, shh. And then she says, listen, listen. And Mary began to quiet, her own soul began to quiet from those words. Listen, Mary, Rachel said. And then Rachel said, do you hear the bugs? And I thought, oh no, she's losing it. <laughs> but she was right. Once Mary quieted, I could hear the almost loud sound of these bugs or these crickets in the summer, you know, in the median, making this, this song. And that's what Rachel said. She said, listen, Mary, do you hear them singing? Do you hear them singing to you? By this time, both me and Mary had our ears to the window. <laughs> this crazy lady talking about. And Rachel began to sing like a mom does, right? They just make up a song. She sang to her. They're singing. It's okay, Mary. It's okay, Mary. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. She just sang the it's okay song, you know? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Because we stopped not chose to stop. We were made to stop. Because we stopped, we actually heard creation singing to us. You can't get it all done. You don't have the perfect job. I get that. You're going to have times that you go too hard in Chattanooga, that you don't have enough sleep, and you eat too many M&Ms. That's life. It's not balanced. And if you don't stop, you're going to be made to stop. But I mean like in a good way. I mean, like in that the creator of God, when he saw us, thought we were very good, so good that he wanted to stop with us. And there ain't enough running or to-do lists or importance that we place on ourselves that's gonna keep almighty God from singing over you. Here we are, right, guys? Here we are, we're crying. Here we are, we're tired. Here we are, we've ate too much junk food. Here we are, our lives have no balance. We're on the side of the interstate just letting it rip. The best thing about a 15-month-old is they feel exactly what we're feeling, but they just let it out. Oh, and then we quiet and we realize that God is delighting in us. Don't you hear David in the midst of his battle? He said, God brought me out into a spacious place. He stopped me. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Yeah, I started with a creation story full of sin. I don't know how that's been used on you in your life, but what I want you to see is what God instituted was a love for you that he would do whatever it takes so that you could hear a song over you. You're not supposed to find your meaning in your work. You're supposed to find your meaning in God. And you find God in the spacious places. And so I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me that uh, uh, we've been building over the last few weeks. Um, We'll just read it together slowly. If you want to, you can just read out loud with me. Uh, pray out loud with me. Let's pray this together. God, we need you to rescue us, to rescue us from a powerful enemy, 
to set us in a spacious place and to delight in us there. Heal our bodies and restore our rest. Help us hear your voice singing over us. Amen.